Welcome back to B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. So we were just listening to Why We Build the Wall, and um, I'm wondering if you picked that as a segue into bridge building, which of I, course is preferable to building walls. It's the walls. opposite. It's the opposite <laughs> of building walls. <laughs> I wonder if it that. was kind of, yeah, subliminal message there for me <laughs> after a, a hard, hard nine days of bridge building. Yeah, what have you been doing? Well, because we wanted to um, open the land up to, to the public, We've encouraged people, and we've been down there ourselves as well, doing building tracks, building um, mountain bike tracks, and unbelievably, on on the settlement day in first um, of May, two thousand and eight, we met the farmer who sold us the land, and uh, and he said, oh, oh, do you know that the old uh, the old Ramaker track goes through that that gorse over there? I I think I recognise that farmer's voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you haven't met him yet. Oh, you know. Oh, I think I might have. He's absolute classic. Yeah, yeah. Goes through the goes through the scrub through there. Um, I can get the dog to go down and show you where it is if you want. Um, and uh, he said, uh, he said it's been it was built in the eighteen fifties. You know, and it was the it was the um, stock route from Nelson over to to Golden Bay. And we we said, what really is that like the same an extension of the Ramika track that goes through Abel Tasman National Park, which everybody loves mountain biking? And he said, yeah, yeah, that's it. So the very next day, we we got on the phone, we called our friends in Nelson, and they came over, and people from Golden Bay came up. The very next day, we started sort of snouting around in the gorse, and we found this old bench. It was just perfect for a mountain bike. A, track. a bench. Can you tell track. everyone what a bench is? Because something you sit on for <laughs> Okay. Some okay. people have been confused about this in the past. <laughs> uh, when the old timers dug a track out of the hillside, they called it a benched, a, ben- a benched track. And this was a stock route, so it was about four feet wide and a very gentle gradient just sidling down the hills towards Tarkaga. And so it's absolutely, uh, you know, it's, it's like a godsend for a track builder to find something that was built so well over 100 years ago and just waiting to be uncovered. So that was the first track that we uncovered. And um, there's another three and a half kilometres of it waiting to be uncovered um, in the very near future because the additional land that, that the crowdfunding bought in the end of 2015, that's that's covered in really diabolical scrub and it's got uh, another three and a half kilometres of this old stock route, historic stock route through it. So that's very exciting. But anyway digressed um we uh we did in the in the first couple of years built a a track about three three to four kilometers long down to ramika creek and um at the bottom we had a ford the ford was a little bit steep dropping down into the ford and every time there was a flood the ford would become quite difficult to ride across um or impossible okay yeah pretty much impossible (laughs) especially in flood downright dangerous now if i'm when I was, I went down there in November last year. Yeah, and that was, was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it, had, it had rained a lot uh, on one particular day, and the next day the weather was perfectly fine, and we all went down with Perrine down to the, down to the Ford, and um, Perrine and I, for some crazy reason, we, th- we looked at it and we thought we could probably get across. So I we don't l- think Perrine had any thoughts of crossing, <laughs> but she was willing to give it a go because you suggested it. If <laughs> I remember it seems like correctly. an adventure, and I was throwing off the shackles of my city life. and Yeah. Very dangerous. Um, anyway, so we, we linked up. Basically, we 
you know, linked up, holding on to each other for support. The good tramping style. Good tramping method. And we, we started walking into the, the flooded creek. Which was brown and about waist deep. It was, <laughs> it was, there was white water. And we got about one, one quarter of the way across and just started going up past a big rock that was sheltering us a little bit. And suddenly I realised, no, we're not going to make this. And, you know, well, maybe we'll make it. But if we don't, we're going to be going through the most vicious type of washing machine you can imagine. We would have just been tumbled head over heels down this white water, getting bashed and bruised and half drowned before we got out. So I just said, Perrine, let's just, let's just back out of this slowly. And go and build a bridge later on. <laughs> well, um, yes, this um, bridge bridge designer from Wellington had, had ridden down the track the year earlier and uh, crashed while crossing the ford. So he contacted us and said, oh, you know, I could provide you with some designs for a, for a bridge across that creek if you'd like. And it wouldn't be hard to build. Well, <laughs> it turned out to be quite hard to build, quite hard to raise the funds for. And, but we, eventually we were ready to go about um, oh, three weeks ago. So I'm looking at this bridge on your website. Oh, cool. Um, and so you've actually got, like, it's got heavy machinery in there. Like, this is not just some sort of, like, small footbridge. It's, That's right, It's Henry. kind of engineering feat. That's exactly what we came to the realisation of. This is an engineering feat, not some simple bridge. So, so we, we didn't really know what, how big those beams were going to be when we bought them. And uh, we were being encouraged by this bridge designer all the way along. And when we actually got to see those beams, 12 mm. metre long curved beams for the first time, we thought... Oh, how on earth are we going to get those down to the creek? But we were really, really lucky. The support from Golden Bay um, contractors and, and volunteers, just incredible. And so on the um, Friday, it must have been about two weeks ago, um, the weather wasn't very good and I kind of wasn't that keen to go down and try and take those beams into place. But a local contractor, um, Solis, had lined someone up with a five-ton digger and... Um, a couple of local builders who were volunteering their time told us, take this opportunity. Do yeah. not miss this opportunity. It will be really hard, no matter how many people you have, to carry those beams in, whereas a five-ton digger will make short work of it. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it's, it sounds like you have had a lot of um, other enthusiastic people along the way. Yeah, we yeah. were so lucky. From Every day we were pretty much completely tapped out in terms of our experience and skills. And if we hadn't had these volunteers coming along and helping, we never would have managed it. It was actually an epic holiday. You'd hardly <laughs> call it a holiday, really. Lots of people wouldn't. <laughs> I think lots of people didn't call it a holiday. <laughs> so who was the tyrant in the group? Jonathan? Kareem! <laughs> there was no tyrant. There were no tyrants? No, no, I was the, somehow became the, the um, construction supervisor. Um, oh boy, You've done a bit of project management in your other life in cycling um, That's true, stuff. thank goodness. Yep, yep, that's true. I've done a little bit of work on the New Zealand cycle trails, but this was a, um, a more hands-on project. So I'd never built a bridge of this, of this size before, and... Uh, and that's why the, the volunteers and the practical advice from locals were, was really essential. And it was, it was an amazing team-building experience. Absolutely, you know, it really brought the community together. Um, we, we, felt, uh, we felt like it was a pretty cool project. 
and the bridge is um, just yesterday it got its engineering the engineering uh, certificate signed off so the bridge should be able to be open this weekend wow really so you're going down for the ceremony I don't think we will I think we'll let the locals do that yeah yep wrap a tire tube or something across the bridge and cut that <laughs> So is the, is the bike track on, on this land, is it open to the public? Can mm -hmm. anyone go in there? 24-7. Yeah. Yep. And there are quite a few different paths along the way, aren't there? Yep. Yep. There's a, there are three main paths at the moment. The historic track, and then the Great Expectations, which is a reasonably easy track, and the Odyssey. Uh, so, yeah, we kind of na name tracks where we, where we have to. We, we name them after sort of fine works of literature. <laughs> and, and is it... What what, do you, what would you say if you climbed to the top of your land? Or is there, apart from a really well-constructed bridge, what, what could people expect to find if they oh, bike, yes. bike your property? So um, if they bike the property, they would find um, a grade three bike trail called Great Expectations. What does grade three mean? It is means it? that um, you have to have a little bit of skill, but not a great deal of skill. And is that kind of the entry-level mountain bike? No, so I guess grade one is entry-level. Grade, grade one's like a rail trail, okay. you know, f flat and wide. And in fact, you should be saying this, Jonathan. You're, you're one of grade the... two would be sort of entry-level mountain bike track, and grade three, is, if I think Bronnie's already described that pretty well. You need like a good mountain bike to get on there. Is that right? No, not necessarily, but you just um, there will be uh, challenges along the way. So uh, it goes through forests. There are tree roots to ride over. There are um, some sharp corners to turn. There will be rocks, and there might be a drop off to the side. But it won't be a very narrow track. But it will be intimidating at times. If you don't, if you don't have any any experience at all, it'll be a bit scary. And that's called great expectations. And great. That, that goes through a bit of pine at the moment? Yep, bit but of pine. But that's going to change? Um, well, look, let me tell you all about the pines because we <laughs> didn't know anything about pines. And when we bought the land, people were saying, oh, you should mill the pines. And we were thinking, do we mill the pines? And then we finally reached the conclusion that we're actually going to leave the pines to do their stuff because they're absorbing carbon as well, even though they're not native bush and we really want native bush. Um, ultimately, they will fall down. And when they fall down, natives will come through. And that's happened already in a couple of areas where there's been um, massive wind damage from yeah. some of these big 1 in 50 year storms that are occurring yeah. these Every days. Every couple of years. That was, that was, from a botanical point of view, it's actually amazing how good the, the native forest regeneration is after, after a dozen or so pine trees blow over. Um, just there's so much native seed in the ground that it just takes off and um, you couldn't actually, it would be very, very difficult to plant and get such a good result as you get from that native, from that pine forest sort of nursery, all the pine trees blow over and in a couple of years time you've just got solid native trees, overhead height and about 11 or 12 different species. Oh and I've just realised that not only do we have a bridge to celebrate but we've also celebrating the fact that we've got the whole property covenanted with the QE2 Trust now. Oh, yeah. So that's that just happened yeah. around about the same time as the bridge. Two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. So that's quite that's, that's quite a coup in a way because it's it's got this 15 hectares of pine forest, which is not what QE2 Queen Elizabeth Trust 
generally go for. They're going for pristine native bush. But um, what they were quite intrigued by was the community aspect of the whole property. So they saw it as a really good uh, property that had massive community, local community and broader community support. And it was also, um, yeah, just uh, saving forests. So I think they accepted the pines as well because of the overall climate change goals. Because yeah. uh, pine trees do suck a lot, of at- a lot of carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere very quickly compared to native forest. But, of course, native forest carries on sucking carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere for a lot longer than pines. And... Um, it's very close to Abel Tasman National Park, this land. Well, does one, it connect to it? Well, no, it's one kilometre away. Right. Yeah. So we get a lot of kaka flying. No, not kaka, kia flying over. I keep thinking it would be kaka because it's lowland forest, but actually there are, are a whole heap of male kia living in Abel Tasman and they come flying over regularly. We had a, pe- a, a pair of um, kia visiting daily when we were building the bridge. As well as um, weka. weka, loads weka. of weka. Yeah. yeah, that was great. And tomtit, robins, tui, kiriru. And there's some native snails around, which I don't know how they're going to battle with the weka, but they seem to be going okay. Mm. We do a lot of trapping, or we, we we don't do it. Volunteers do a lot of trapping on Project Ramika, and uh, that seems to be having a real, really good effect on the biodiversity there. It, it's pretty cool having these little, you know, they're almost like pets. The weka come around to see us every time we visit now. They even came right down to the bridge site, which is a long way from the from the hut, just to have a bit of a, <laughs> see a poke around, see what was going on. <laughs> Either that or they were a different pair of weka. <laughs> and have you learnt much about the local um, area and its history, etc., as you've gone along? A little bit. It's interesting you, you ask that, because at the last AGM, which was at the beginning of this month, um, it was decided that that Ramika would, um, over the next 12 months, research the, the natural and cultural heritage quite a bit more and put interpretation boards at three sites around Project Ramika. So that's, that's some research that a group of us will have to do over the, over the next um, several months. It should be very interesting. And is that something, do you take volunteers just to approach you and say, hey, I want to get involved in writing those signs or helping build a track. and Absolutely. Everything. Yeah, we'd welcome anyone with open arms. <laughs> how, do they, how do they become a volunteer? How do they get in touch? Through, uh, probably through our website is one way. or if Which is? Which is <laughs> um, ramikacarbonforest.co.nz. You just Google Ramika Carbon Forest, it'll, it'll pop up. Um, alternatively, people who are living down south would, or living in Nelson area would probably go across to Golden Bay and the Quiet Revolution Cycle Shop has, um, is, is a major supporter of the project so they can easily get people involved. Mm. Yeah, yeah it's, and it's great. The more people involved, the better because there's a lot to do there. Um, we, haven't, we haven't even had a chance to have a look at all of the land because every time we go there, you know, we're busy doing various things. But uh, certainly there's potential to do a lot more depending on how many, how many volunteers want to get involved. Mm. And how do you balance that living these Wellington lifestyles with, you know, kind of office jobs with your commitment down there? When we first bought the project, it was incredibly easy to spend 
every holiday going down there and just working on the land. And we realised that actually that wasn't probably uh, mentally that stay that healthy for us because we were becoming quite fixated with the project. So we limited ourselves to going down four times a year. And um, so we once a quarter we'll go down and we'll... Um, make it known, advertise it to friends that we're going down and try and get um, people to come down with us and then we spend those times as a concerted effort on our part to do weeding if it's summertime or plant, tree planting if it's wintertime or track repair and track building in the in-between times. And have the um, with the track building, is that general volunteers normally or does the mountain bike community get quite involved particularly for that? No, it's, it's general volunteers. The mountain bike club, um, they have their own projects that keep them pretty busy. So what we generally find is that there, there are a few super keen um, people in the mountain bike club who will come along and, and help out. But by and large, most of the people who come along might not, might not even be mountain bikers. They might be trampers. Um, so trampers have quite a big interest in opening up the historic track because the views are the views out over the Takaka Valley and across to Kaharangi National Park are really, really stunning from this from the escarpment. The the track the historic track starts right on the edge of that beautiful Takaka Valley, which is just grass and totara trees. And then, and then it zigzags its way up this huge escarpment, which is quite prominent throughout the whole Takaka Valley, zigzags its way up onto a ridge, and the views from those zigzags, we've cleared just over a kilometre so far, and the views are fantastic. They seem to just be getting better the higher we go. It's been quite interesting. When we first bought the property, we didn't really know that much about the area, but we discovered that there's... This amazing commitment from some of the locals to the whole Ramika Valley area, like it's it's very special to them for some reason, and people were very very proud, very committed to it. Um, there was an elderly woman who's since died. Her name was Myra Fulton, and she was just thrilled that we'd bought this land to turn it back to native bush. And she told us all about her memories of going up the. Ramika Creek, which is the creek that we put the bridge over, and a lovely marble and uh, all these things that she just, just descriptions of the whole area that she just loved and she is totally dedicated to it. And since then, we've found other people who are like her, who live locally and just get their eyes sparkle when they think about the Ramika Valley for some mm. reason. And so there wasn't you know, much resistance to two people from Wellington coming in and buying up that land. and No, no, quite the opposite. I'm sure they thought we were kind of weird, but... <laughs> yeah, if you, if you take Myra Fulton, for example. She, um, she was a, a climate change um, sceptic, and so, you know, we would have some interesting conversations about uh, climate change. But at the end of the day, she thought, well even if we have the, these views about climate change and, and we're a bit nutty because of that, uh, <laughs> she, she still thought that the forest restoration and the, and the public access were two really fantastic things for the Ramika Valley. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wish we were wrong about climate change, but and even now and again I try to, be, I try to think myself into being a climate change sceptic myself, but it doesn't last <laughs> for long. But it's quite positive because, I mean, I think a lot of New Zealanders are really into, obviously, native bush and restoration and, and cycling trailing. Is, cycle trails are incredibly popular. So if you can sell or if you can promote all of that, 
in as a solution to climate change. Yeah, it suddenly makes it dealing with climate change a lot more attractive. Oh, it's it's fun. It's yeah. really really fun. It's, it's one of the best things we've we've done in our lives. It's a win win kind of situation. If we're wrong about climate change, then we still get a really cool project. <laughs> <laughs> and so, if other people are listening to this and thinking, "Man, I'm going to go and do that. I want to do that." How what? pieces of advice would you give them? Are there like two or three key pieces that helped you along the way? Yeah, well, when we first started looking for land, we got a bit demoralised because it seemed that pieces of land were very expensive. But what we discovered was that the bigger the piece of land, the less expensive it got. Less so, expensive by hectare. So four hectares is pretty much the same same price for, for 50 hectares. Mm. It's just it's it's sold as a lifestyle block and the size... Four hectares is more than enough land for, for, for most people, but if you're into developing a forest carbon sink, you want as much land as possible because that will absorb as much carbon as possible. So it was kind of a relief when we got beyond the four hectare size properties and discovered that anything over 20 hectares was going to be not very expensive really at all, pretty much the same price as four hectares. So, we were, so the bigger you go, the better, and... Probably the more people you involve, the better. So Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Definitely, getting getting a group of friends together is a great way to go. Um, the block of land that we bought, forty eight hectares, was three hundred thousand dollars. So at the time, we had to get a mortgage for that, and so that's why when the second block of land came up for sale, we said, no, no, we're we're going to we're going to try and involve as many people as we can, and uh, and actually, you know, really share the load, but also get a whole injection of new interested people involved um, because it, we keep on talking to people who are sort of a bit depressed about climate change and <laughs> they wish that there was <laughs> something they all? could do uh, and we say well yeah climate change is depressing but there is something you can do there's actually quite a bit you can do so you know stop being so glum and do something <laughs> and so you what's your next trip down there gonna be tree planting august yeah august just at the end of winter where there's the ground's nice and wet and the trees can get settled in before the summer heat comes on. Yep. Mm. So you'll be heading down and if people like the sound of that, they could contact you on your website and Absolutely. join yeah. in the fun. We usually go down with a van van load and rent a big farmhouse and uh, and uh, it's a pretty cool time. Yeah. Sounds great. Really, so... really hard work though, Brie. Really hard. It's not, you know, it's no holiday really. I went down there last year and asked for a um, rating on how well I did, yeah. and um, Bronnie B. here gave me a. I thought it was a B plus. I think it was a B plus. I was expecting an A plus though. <laughs> anyway, so you my were, advice you were awesome. to you were awesome, Doreen. I would have given you an eight. <laughs> good honest feedback. That's yeah. <laughs> if anyone wants to um, get honest feedback, come to Bronnie, and um, if they want to feel good then just don't ask um great can you just tell us your website one more time just uh ramika carbon forest so www.ramikacarbonforest.co.nz so r-a-m-e-k-a yeah wonderful yes. all right thank you both so much no, for awesome. thank you guys coming along yeah cool anytime and we're going to go out on a song from the map room a wellington band and it's called hold me up to the sun um just like a just like a tree <laughs> all right thanks guys
program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding the Access Internet Radio Project.